Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the REI Foundation with Jason and Peely. We have Mr. Kevin Dowling. I'm going to actually let Jason and Kevin introduce themselves because this is going to be a special episode where we are featuring um, Oak Capital Partners. Take it away, Jason. All right. So introducing here, Kevin Dowling. Kevin, uh, we go back a long time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you've been, and, uh, and currently... How did you guys two meet? Sure. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys. Um, Jason and I have known each other for well over 25 years. Scary. Uh, very scary. We played athletics together <laughs> throughout uh, junior high and high school. Uh, graduated in 1997. Um, after that, I decided to uh, go the military route. Uh, I joined the United States Marine Corps and uh, served five years in the Marines. Uh, stationed all over the world. Good old Camp Pendleton, California was my main duty station, but really had a chance to see uh, Japan, Korea, Guam, wow. Singapore. Uh, on the way to Operation Iraqi Freedom, stopped a couple additional places like UAE was pretty cool. And my last deployment was in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2003. We were stationed out of uh, Ali Asalam, Kuwait. So that was a pretty neat experience. Wow. Thank you for your service, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. After after 2003, um, had the opportunity to get out of the Marine Corps uh, and uh, basically jumped into an opportunity uh, to finish up school using the Montgomery GI Bill. So I finished up my, both my bachelor's uh, and my MBA using uh, the Montgomery GI Bill and the post-9-11 GI Bill. And I had a really unique opportunity to do that side-by-side um, while diving into commercial and residential uh, real estate. So over the past 14 years, I've been involved in both commercial and residential real estate. And then fast forward to 2016, uh, as every great idea uh, originates, ours uh, was on the back deck, my back deck in my backyard over a couple beers and and a barbecue. Uh, Jay and I kind of started just talking about our exposure uh, in our real estate investments. uh, And then it morphed into how multifamily was the way we wanted to go. And a lot of our thoughts and ideas aligned. And here we are today. So why'd you decide on apartment investing instead of like, you know, small multifamilies, single families? Why apartment investing? Well, I like and we like the ability to have a good asset that has value add components to it. So what we look for is our BC type apartments that have upside for occupancy, upside for for rental increases. Uh, Maybe there's been some uh, operational mismanagement uh, over the years. So we like to target the the mom and pops uh, that Mr. and Mrs. Smith that have been owning the property since, you know, 1970, 1980, where we can get in there and do some interior renovations, um, have a professional management company come on board uh, and increase operations and efficiencies. What else do you have to add to that, Jason? Well, yeah, it's it's as simple as if you have a single family house, you have one roof. If you have maybe a hundred units, maybe you have just one roof. So your, your operational efficiencies, uh, you, you can really get the most out of this where you can, you can hire full-time staff for your property. You're able to pool 
basically investors' funds and buy larger, larger assets so you can ideally all benefit from the process of, of owning and appreciating, appreciating asset. And on the same part, you can benefit from not only just your, your, we'll say, passive cash flow or cash flow if you're active in the property, but tax advantages, appreciation, depreciation. It just There's so many different ways and including that you can leverage such a large property. Whereas if you were, say, buying Apple stock, you could buy $10,000 in stock. Where if you want to buy an apartment, maybe, you know, maybe a four unit in a certain neighborhood, you could put down 10000 and possibly get a $100,000 four unit apartment. So you're able to, to leverage yourself into apartments and really just create so much value by being able to use your money in, in a wise manner. So kind of going back to what uh, Jason just said, you just talked about partnering up with other people. So it's not just you two that's in, in on this deal. And that's called, I believe, syndication. So one of you guys explain what syndication is for all of our listeners. Sure. Kevin? Yeah, I'll take it for, I'll take it and then Jake can jump in. Uh, so for uh, the, the last deal we did, uh, we actually did 80% financing uh, with 20% of equity. And we, uh, we raised the equity through a syndication where basically we approached uh, friends and family members with the opportunity uh, to invest in our deal through a syndication. Nice. Correct. Yeah. I, ideally for this, it allows us to get into a larger, larger property, just like we were talking about before, where maybe Kevin and I could have possibly gotten into to a smaller property. Well, at this size of a property, we can afford to have on a uh, property management company, a uh, full-time maintenance staff, and really just come up with just the economies of scale that this pro- size of a property allows. And the syndication allows us to get into that. Bingo. Economies of scale. Go, go further with that. What, sure. what does that mean? Well, economies of scale comes in fact that we're actually working with a property management company, just this instance where the property management company manages a number of different apartments in this area. So for us, we're able to actually share maintenance staff. It may not work in all situations, but in this fact, it actually does. We're sharing maintenance staff across the different complexes that's under this management staff. And now we're keeping our cost down to a minimum for maintenance staff where they may not be fully utilized at all times during the day. Well, now they can split their time between different apartments and then we're not paying different apartment complexes. We're not paying completely, uh, we'll say the, the full cost just to have the guy maybe sitting there for a couple of days when he's not busy. Thanks. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, actually, the one thing I wanted to say kind of the, in, in regards to single family versus multifamily uh, from, our, from earlier was single family, they're just so binary. You're either vacant or you're occupied. And the aspect of multifamily, I mean, you have you know, 94 to 150 units, uh, potentially. You have one vacancy. You've got 93 to 149 other revenue streams. So it's, it's much, obviously, less binary. And you know, leading into probably um, how, where this discussion will go, but the more units you own, the, the, more, uh, the less risk there is because you're diversified across yeah. the and the numbers are always based on the just it, it's all on income based and what you can actually produce with the property. Whereas if you're single family homes and maybe you're building a home or you're flipping a home, it's all on that in buyer and that in buyer's preference where the preference may be on certain types of uh, tile or granite or pink colors. Whereas the apartments, none of that matters. It's all about the asset, how the asset's performing. So if you can increase the performance of that asset, you can increase basically the the, we'll say, uh, the worth of the property. Nice. Anything else? I like it. Nice. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let me know um, 
how did you guys like get started? Like you just decide, of course, at that barbecue, you guys are having a few beers. You guys have like a couple hot dogs. You're like, we're going to get into apartment investing. Then what? Well, I think we, well, the first thing we wanted to do was surround ourselves with the right team and the right partners. Um, so over the first couple of weeks, uh, we really took it upon ourselves to make introductions. We, we, we selected three core markets uh, as the foundation for kind of where we wanted to start making those relationships. Uh, the first couple of weeks was a, were a lot of phone calls and introductions, interviews to local brokers, um, local management companies, local professionals like um, attorneys, for example. And what we wanted to do was for the brokers, we wanted to introduce ourselves uh, let them know what we're looking for, who we are, uh, how quickly we're, we're looking to move. And obviously, the brokers uh, started sending us deals. A lot of them were on-market deals. Um, Jay and I made it, made it a point to get back to those uh, brokers as quickly as possible. Uh, and whether it's interest or non-interest, we would let them know exactly why uh, potentially we weren't interested. But if we were interested, we knew that that was going to take the next step to uh, a meeting around the financials, what the what the rent rolls look like, what the trailing 12 months look like. So the other other side of it too was introducing ourselves to property management companies. Um, and I think the edge that we had with property management companies are mm-hmm. is they have direct contact uh, to sellers. So if they have uh, a knowledge that a seller is looking to sell, that's potential for the management company to lose a, n- a number of units that they have under management. So we felt like we were getting some opportunities from the property management companies also because they were giving us kind of the first in. Um, and then obviously with the brokers, they started sending us some, uh, some off-market deals. So the relationships and the relationship development uh, were critical. And I think it took us probably about, Jay, you, let me know if you agree, six to eight weeks to really get the team in place that we were comfortable with. Yeah. And we're, and we were, we're continually, even as we progressed through the first big deal, we, we still were adding team members as we really, just the more we learned, we, we keep adding team members, whether it was in the form of uh, lawyers or um, cost segregation people or our reg D lawyer. These are people that we were constantly looking for referrals that may not have to be so much in market. And that was, so we're constantly adding to our team, especially now as we're, as we're filling out markets based on what we're learning that we may need going forward. Maybe it was important to talk about how we actually chose the certain markets that we're working on. Want to give people some metrics? Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the the first three things we looked at were um, strong employment growth, uh, strong income growth, uh, and strong population growth. Uh, We didn't really want to be in the, um, the, the, the core markets, the New Yorks, the San Francisco's, the gateway markets, because we're just priced out. Uh, we didn't want to deal with uh, the REIT type of transaction. Uh, so we, we selected not secondary markets or tertiary markets, but just primary markets that have um, less uh, more opportunity than we think. So we found, you know, obviously Louisville's one we're looking in. We like San Antonio, certain sections of San Antonio, and we like Greensboro as well. But we're looking at other markets in uh, North Carolina, Florida um, as well. Yeah. And it's another 
part that we were looking at is also just job growth, job diversity that we had there is we want to make sure that in these markets, it wasn't just, you know, one steel company or, or one uh, company that made up the majority of the, uh, the jobs there. So if that company for whatever reason folded that we were going to lose a, a huge amount of people in, in the community that were able to pay rent and then past that housing starts is that if markets were being flooded with uh, n- new apartments being built or new housing being built, um, that was a red flag for us. Well, maybe that wasn't, the quote unquote best place for us to be looking at. And I think also too, once we selected the markets, uh, we wanted to identify uh, key neighborhoods and key submarkets. And and one of the drivers there was looking at kind of supply in the area, looking at supply coming online. Um, and, and even though we're looking, our, our building class type is, is the class B and the class C type, we still do want to understand kind of the new supply that's coming online. And when we say new supply, developers really only build class A products. So we do want to look at neighborhoods that have less supply coming online, but then look at the sub of growth, uh, what kind of, what questions look like for rent growth uh, over the next two, three, five years? I'm going to actually have you repeat everything you just said, maybe the five seconds before, because we kind of like cut out. I'm not sure you're talking about growth. You're talking about growth. Growth. Three to five year growth and how people are building A-class, A-class properties, because of course they're not building BC assets. Thank you for that. Heard that. So developers building class A product, uh, not building a class BC product. And even though Jay and I are looking in the class BC uh, universe, still understanding what uh, inventory is coming online is huge. And then also, once we get down to the neighborhood and, and submarket level, uh, getting an understanding for what uh, rent growth projections look like for the next two, three, five years during our holding periods. So basically understanding the entire market. Yeah. Well, we forgot one huge component was actually we are in New Jersey. So of course mm-hmm. we're not in, in any of these markets, but we made mm-hmm. sure that when we were targeting our markets, we said, okay, the, the factors we just touched on, plus where do we know people? And so it, it gave us boots in the ground. Uh, you know, my, my sister's in Louisville. I have friends growing up. Kevin and I grew up with friends in Louisville. There, there's a lot of people, you know, in Greensboro, we have friends with uh, family. So in, it's an easier market for us to get out there and understand. And just as we were first learning the neighborhoods, we could one, get their opinion and two, even have them pass by the assets. So that's another thing that allowed us to invest out of state. Now I'm saying that they don't have to be there. I mean, you know, we're looking at markets where people aren't necessarily, but it just, it really helped us understand, of course, the sub markets. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome information. Thank you both. Um, let's go with goals. Actually, you know what? I want to go back to one thing you were talking about. We actually talked to Alex Franks, um, on another podcast and he, you both actually mentioned the power of basically follow-up um, you want to just like touch, touch on that just a little bit, just to give our listeners just a bit of mindset, like your mindset on the follow-up because people are really bad at that. Yeah. Follow-up is huge. And I think it all comes down to 
timing. Timing is always the most critical element uh, in relationships and in, in you know, making calls and, and developing contacts and developing relationships with contacts. So, I mean, without follow-up, you're not going to catch them at the right time. If, I mean, every once in a while, you'll get um, an, an opportunity and some synergies on the initial conversation that, that might lead to something productive. But follow-up is critical because, you know, over the next three, five, six, six months, or even the next two or three years, we might capture something uh, from a property manager that has an opportunity for us or uh, a young up-and-coming broker uh, might have something. And if Jay and I are constantly reaching out to those folks and staying on their minds and uh, being at the forefront of their activity, I, I think more opportunity comes our way and we can capture it. Nice. 100%. Yeah. And uh, I, I think we want to go back to, to our offering structure is that we are getting back to all the brokers and we, we're, we're pretty much, we have our numbers, we have our point. And when we're making offers is sometimes the asking price in our mind is a bit ridiculous. And we'll go back to the brokers and say, listen, this is how we see it. This is why we see it. We're willing to make this offer. Would you, would you like to have us present this offer? So it, you can't you can't worry about oh I'm gonna I'm, I'm, we're not looking to lowball them but but if the offer is working by the numbers and we show people why we're making the offer I mean that's an important point instead of just going in there if we went in there and the, and the price point was five million dollars or the asking price and we said well this works at three then if we just threw the three million dollar number without explanation the broker would look at us and maybe just think we were lowballing them and not really giving them a shot and maybe he's not going to send us future deals so we'll go back to the broker and say this is what we came up with this is why we came up with this number this is where this works for us we're willing to present this uh just want to get your feedback prior to presenting this and see where we stood so this could go like throughout basically life basically you guys follow up you guys communicate and you guys know your numbers um amazing business structure yeah and, and stick to your numbers yeah. so <laughs> yeah yeah. Nice. yeah. Um, so let's talk goals um, before I let you two go. Goals. Uh, give me some of your goals for the, like the next month. I know you guys just picked up a 94 unit. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, so what now for this next month? What are you guys doing? Next month will be volume. I think uh, what we want to do is get, we already have a couple offers out there. Uh, we've been underwriting several deals a week. Uh, we're at the point where we're, we have two or three uh, deals that we'll make offers on, but I think we want, really want to get under contract with something, again, obviously sticking to our numbers um, within the next 30 to 60 days. Uh, beyond that, I mean, it's really our goal to be at somewhere between three and 500 units, hopefully by the end of the year. Um, and then within the next 18 to 24 months, we want to hit that thousand uh, unit mark. Yeah. We, we feel very confident with it because ideally we, we have our structure, we have our plan. It's either fits with our plan or it doesn't. And so it's very easy, easy for us to look at a deal and say, okay, this is worth looking further into or not. Uh, and then with the current property, we actually have the management team in place out there even today, just pushing the plan in place. And so we look forward to seeing the, uh, the renovations that we're putting in place over the next month. So we're at 24 months a thousand units. So that's, you're already, you know, Grant Cordon 10 Xing it, um, which is awesome. So what do you think about like five years, 10 years? Because I know a, apartment investing is like, that's a, that's like a long play. That's not like, you know, you're doing a little flip. You're not, it's not like a, you know, it's kind of like a buy and hold and kind of like a flip, but it's long-term. This is long-term. So what are you thinking in like five or 10 years? 
Where are you like, looking at this business? I think the, the, the hold period we're underwriting to is, you know, somewhere between four and seven years. Okay. Uh, so I think, you know, obviously that um, threshold of a thousand units that, you know, that could fluctuate between 900 and 2,100 units. I think just because mm-hmm. we're going to be hopefully turning over some of these properties and, and doing some dispositions over the years. But I think once, as we grow over the next two to five years, um, I think we'll build a team out so that we can have more underwriters, more uh, screeners, uh, an acquisition team that's solely dedicated to taking on acquisitions, and then uh, an asset management team that's looking at everything, looking at the cycle, looking at um, determining whether it makes sense to do a disposition. But I think uh, scaling everything is is what ideally we'd like to do, so that we can not be limited to a thousand, fifteen hundred units within the next five years. Don't that's limit right. yourself. You have that's anything right. else to add? No, that's perfect. Awesome. That's perfect. Well, thank you both for coming on the coming on our podcast. Do you have anything else to add, Kevin? No, I mean maybe uh, next time let's talk about uh, the progress we're making on this uh, acquisition we just did. In, yes. uh, yep. Yep. Yes. We'll talk about the uh, number of cool, uh, cool components we're we're trying out to to put into place with this property. We think are going to be great to uh, to enhance income uh, and some of the other income generators that we uh, are able to take advantage of because the prior management or the prior owners uh, just did not follow what was trending in the market and also other ways that we're working to uh, keep our costs down and reduce our costs. Other uh, other economic efficiencies we're putting in place with the property. Right. Well. If people are looking for you, where can they find you? Uh, we can go to, it should be launching in a few days, or I guess the status would be oakcappartners.com. Okay. Also reach out to us at info at oakcappartners.com. So O-A-K-C-A-P partners.com. I was going to say, we'll have that all yep. in the show notes, folks. <laughs> I was like, I just spell that right. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so very much, Kevin. And to let everybody know, Oak Capital Partners will be checking in here regularly at the REI Foundation podcast. Right. So check us out next time as they break down their new acquisition, their 94 apartment complex that they just closed on. Yeah, look forward to seeing everybody again. And thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to next time. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.